Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. This is episode 65 and it's another one of our culturing creativity episodes. And today we're going to be talking about self-doubt and imposter syndrome amongst writers, which I feel everyone will have experienced one form of this at some point in their writing lives. I definitely think they will have. And if not in their writing lives, then maybe in other parts of their lives. So it's a very common thing to feel. Yes, definitely. So like all of these shorter episodes, uh, I thought we could jump right in so we don't run out of time. And it seems to be the trend with me for some reason recently. I keep finding really interesting quotes while I'm researching these topics. So I thought to stick with the trend, I would open with a quote by William Shakespeare. And I think it made me feel a bit better when I was like, oh, yes. He also obviously experienced self-doubt at some point. So the quote that I found was, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. I think that sums up some of the issues that arise with self-doubt very well. I agree. It does put in a very um, poetic way, as William (laughs) Shakespeare tends to do. Yeah, is off to do. He, you know, worded it very well. (laughs) Unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. So as just a quick, I guess, definition of the type of self-doubt that we're talking about today, um, with writing, it's also sometimes referred to as creative doubt. um, And it's that feeling where you don't think your writing is good enough that feeling where you think other writers are far, far better than you. Um, And it's usually the reason many authors don't actually call themselves authors and stick, you know, I'm a writer, I'm not an author. So uh, for our first question, I thought we could talk about whether um, either of us ever experience self-doubt and how that self-doubt manifests for us. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Yeah, as I kind of said at the start, I think everyone does experience this in some shape or form. And I was kind of thinking back to my writing journey. And when I started writing as a teenager, I don't really think I thought about it too much, to be honest. Just jump in and write. Yeah, just jump in. You know, I was generally speaking fairly confident with my writing, although I did find that I was a little bit scared to share it with people, um, in particular adults. I wasn't as worried about sharing it with friends because my friends at that time tended to be quite, they weren't very critical of my writing at all. (laughs) And I, I knew that they enjoyed it rather than really thought about the technical aspects or anything like that. So I think there was more of a fear like, when presenting writing to teachers that they were like analyzing it in greater depth. I get that. And I was like, and your friends are very creative as well. So yeah, it helped a lot. I I think that did help. They were creative in different ways. They did a lot more 
drawing and that kind of creativity, whereas I was a lot more focused on the writing. But, you know, I think that fear of sharing it with teachers and adults and was partly because I was afraid I wasn't good enough. And these days it's a little bit different. I'm not scared to call myself an author. And although I still have a bit of anxiety when presenting my work to other people, my self-doubt more trickles in after I've been staring at a chapter too long or if I'm stuck. And sometimes I'll read over and think, what the hell is this that I'm writing? (laughs) (laughs) And often when I give my work to Ashley, it's with like a whole list of things I think are wrong. like Conditions on it. Yeah, I know this could be better and it's a bit jumpy from this point to that point. I basically preface it to lower her expectations and I think that's probably a product of my self-doubt. How about you, Ashley? Well, for me, I also come across self-doubt. I would say not as much now as I used to. I hadn't thought about back in high school. Back in high school, so I kind of just like you to jumped in and didn't really care <laughs> yeah. what other people thought about it. I think it was because I was just having fun writing. Mm, so I wasn't yeah. too worried about what people thought of it because it was just for fun. Simpler times. Simpler yeah. times. <laughs> then I guess when I started writing a bit more seriously later when I was older at the start, you know, self-doubt, but whether it was any good was quite strong. But that's eased quite a bit now. And most most of the I don't usually get the other writers are far better than me self-doubt issue because I kind of believe that everyone has their own style of writing so just because my style is not like theirs or theirs isn't like mine like that doesn't say you're a better or worse writer so I don't have that issue I do have the issue about calling myself an author we're more with other people telling me that I'm an author it makes me really uncomfortable and I'm like oh no not really (laughs) don't say that that's interesting Um, I didn't think of it that way yeah I I don't have an issue with calling myself an author but I guess I haven't haven't really had many people say oh you're an author I've had a lot of people be like oh you're an author now and I'm like oh especially at work some of my work colleagues like oh you're an author now I'm like oh am I (laughs) I don't know if that's that's quite a big step (laughs) Um, yeah. my writing critique group says it too they'll be like oh you're an author now you're the first one like when we publish we'll be authors too and I'm like, I'm like am I an author or like I feel I don't feel like I'm any different to like how I was before but <laughs> so that's the being called an author part but for me my self-doubt is more due to me because I'm really really harsh like well Sarah is too I think on her on yourself and your writing yeah. and I think I like <laughs> I judge my work through the view of comparing me to the perfect Ashley writer in the future. <laughs> yeah. Where like, I know like maybe in like 20 years time, I'll be, you know, I'll be way better. And, but I'd like judge myself now based on the criteria that I want to see, which makes like fairly uh, very high expectations. And sometimes I think at the moment they're likely more not impossible, but very hard to achieve expectations, which then is what ends up, I guess, getting me down and doubting what I'm doing. So that's what uh, what my self-doubt manifests as mostly these days. It's me being too harsh on me, basically. Yeah. So self-doubt is quite 
prevalent um, in the writing community. And obviously when I started looking this up, I was, there were so many articles about it and a lot saying like, you know, writers specifically um, and creators too, a lot often have like a lot more issues with self-doubt. So I thought we could talk about why we think writers in particular have this problem so much. Sarah? Well, I think it stems from a few different things. And the first point I wanted to make is that when you're selling a book, what you're doing is you're asking someone or a stranger to invest time and money in reading the words that you put on a page. And even more than that, they're investing their emotions and their beliefs because we learn from fiction just as we learn from nonfiction, sometimes more so, especially about like deeper kind of more philosophical beliefs, I would say. So no one wants to be putting like really crap work into their heads. So that in itself makes it a little different from a product that you might buy for more practical purposes. And due to this, people tend to judge writing sometimes pretty harshly, you know, they want the best and writers feel this pressure for sure because no one puts a book out there intending for it to be terrible. <laughs> no, no. No, we try our best and worry about it being good enough. So that's my first point is the outside pressures. And number two is that when you're writing, it's just you and the page. You don't have anything else other than your own interpretation to lean on. And it can be really hard to work out if what your mind is telling you is actually the truth or not. I'm sure we've all looked back at things we wrote in the past with some degree of both disgust and amazement. Like, how did I think this was any good? <laughs> yeah. So that bias that our minds create can make it extremely hard to trust yourself. And as a last point as well, I would say that no matter what, if you care about the results, a lot of people suffer from self-doubt just generally. So I'm going to veer off the track of writer here for just a second and say that, you know, it sounds absolutely awful <laughs> considering my profession, but even in nursing, sometimes I'm like, holy crap, what am I doing here? What if something goes wrong and I can't cope with it? That's not really something you want to know about your nurse, right? <laughs> but I can guarantee that your doctors are thinking the same thing sometimes, which might make you even more uncomfortable. But it's not actually a bad thing because in reality, this uh, prevents me from being overconfident and ensures that I'm being aware and making use of all the resources at my disposal. Whereas if I was really overconfident, like I know everything, I could easily miss something. And that to me would be more scary than having, having a bit of that self-doubt. So it's not always a bad thing. And self-doubt can cause you to strive to be better and do better. But a lot of times we only see the negative aspect of this feeling so I did want to point that out as well and so that's a really good point because <laughs> well I was thinking because well, it seems like both of us to some degree it's us putting expectations on ourselves and like thinking that our work like needs to be so much better which in turn has I feel like made us write a lot better over the past couple years even if it mm. sometimes is a bit not I wasn't say not crippling I can't think of the right word constrictive 
Um, yeah, I think I'll talk about this point a little bit more in the following questions of, you know, what the difference is in between like a healthy self-doubt versus something that's a bit more negative. But yeah, what were, before we get there, what were your thoughts on self-doubt and why we have it as writers? The very first thing my mind jumped to was that writing is such a personal experience and the work we put out obviously has lots, well, has parts of us in it, even if it might not be, you know, directly about us. And I think that makes things like feedback, for example, really challenging. But secondly, I think writers, like when I go to work, I have a performance review like once a year. And that's pretty much the only time I'm really like critically judged by people. But when you're a, a writer, there's a lot of different people that you have to get to judge you. It's like what the whole point of like you're pro- getting your product out there is. So, you know, when we are trying to query agents and publishers, you have editors judging you, you have agents judging your work, you have publishers judging your work. And then when you, you know, are starting the self-publishing process yourself, you have your beta readers who read it and then, you know, give you feedback or criticism Um, you have your critique groups which give you feedback and criticism and then all of your readers who also do it so I think it's writing has a lot of people that are going to be critiquing judging and giving you lots of feedback on your work more so than you would in your everyday life so I think that additional I guess pressure on you I think can be one of the reasons why you end up with quite a lot of writers are more prone to self-doubt yeah I would agree with that you know like there is a lot of judging about is this good is this not good am I going to enjoy this is it a good experience or could it be better and everyone is always an expert (laughs) (laughs) everyone is an expert even if they don't write then they still have some sort of opinion about your work exactly. learning to tell what's helpful and what's not helpful. It can be a tricky sort of part of writing. I think. Yes, definitely. And even when your book eventually gets out there onto shelves, you know, people are, I like it. I don't like it. I'm ambivalent. And there's like, it doesn't end if that makes any sense. Like even once the book's out there, you've got a whole world of readers who also have, an opinion on the work that you have produced yeah so I guess kind of looping a little bit back to what I touched on before with Sarah's point about having you know there's a good degree of self-doubt and not I thought we could talk about how or whether self-doubt actually hinders our creativity as writers so yeah as I've alluded to I think it hinders your creativity if you're not aware of it and why it's there. You know, it has a place in forcing us to be critical and improve our work uh, because if we didn't doubt ourselves, it would be because we didn't care about the experience of our readers. But if you don't understand why it's there, it can seem paralyzing because you begin to believe that negative frame of mind instead of using it to drive you forward. You know, self-doubt is good, but fear is not. And there is actually a difference between the two. 
it's okay to feel doubt sometimes, but if you let that doubt spiral into fear, it can snake into your creativity. And it's really, really hard to think creatively and have words flow if you're constantly afraid no one will want to read it and you're just wasting your time. So I think that's, for me, the main difference is self-doubt and fear because they are not the same to me. What would you say? And so for me, like how creative I am really depends on the, like my perception, I guess, of how creative I'm being. And for me, if self-doubt is becomes too much, it really stops my productivity. And that's one of the things that gives me confidence when I'm writing. So, you know, like when I'm producing work at an okay rate and it's all, you know, ticking along all right, then I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm doing the writing thing. This is going okay. But then as soon as I let the self-doubt, I guess, kind of manifest too much, you know, then I start to get really critical. I stop producing work as much and you know it ends up taking a month like it did recently to write like a thousand words and then you're like this and it kind of like snowballs from there Mm -hmm. um so I think in that way it really well it interferes with my creative that's how it interferes with my creative process and I can see how it can be that way for other people as well and then of course you get frustrated (laughs) which doesn't help so Yes, yeah, so I think it does hinder well, my creativity at least. But I did like your take on it, Sarah, where it's like making sure that like it remembering that it's okay to have self-doubt, but not letting it turn rule. into yeah, <laughs> rule you, which can be a difficult yeah, like balancing act, I guess. Which does lead us to the next question, which was how we overcome our self-doubt. Yeah, and as I've been saying you don't overcome (laughs) self-doubt. You live with it, but it's not a bad thing. And we have to stop viewing it as something to get rid of. Instead, it's something that drives and motivates us. And it's because it's different from fear, you know, instead of creating panic, if you view it as something that's like, it's simply asking you questions and stopping you from taking things for granted it kind of reframes it, I guess. So like, I kind of see self-doubt as a question and you get to choose what you do with that question. You don't have to be afraid of it, but instead you can be curious about it. You know, why am I feeling like this? What can I do to make this work even more amazing? What if it's not amazing? Because that's okay too. We're all at a different point in our writing journey and it takes time to cultivate the skill. And so the way I like to view my self-doubt is sort of how I view any other critique or feedback. I kind of think of it as my own personal feedback mechanism. (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So, you know, I listen to it. I decide whether or not I agree with it and then I use it to hone my writing. So if you kind of take that attitude towards it, And even if it sounds negative, like any other critique, if you go back to our culture and creativity episode on feedback, you know, you can ask those same questions of yourself is, okay, you're saying it sucks. Why are you saying it sucks? Is there something particular in here that you think sucks? (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, what specifically do you 
feel is wrong with the piece of writing that you've done. And so if you break it down and use those thoughts that you're having as feedback, it kind of helps to put it into better perspective. I like the idea of using it as feedback. It seems like a very <laughs> practical way to help manage it. Just separate it from yourself. <laughs> yeah. Hello, self-doubt. Critical Sarah says this. Thank you for your feedback. <laughs> I will take some of it on board. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it, maybe not. <laughs> exactly. How about you, Ashley? Well, for me, I'm, try- I'm now trying to think about how you've sort of talked about it I guess for me there was a stage a while ago kind of like I said when I started writing more seriously again that like myself the self-doubt I had was quite paralyzing I guess yeah and when that was happening it did take me a while to get to a place where I was like okay with the self-doubt if that makes any sense yeah. And that was mostly me trying to find figure out the reasons why I was like questioning everything so much. So I think that's really important to find like the reason for you that it's happening. So like at the start, like I it sounds weird, but it's hard to pin down that it's you having too high expectations of yourself because you kind of just have the self-doubt and you're like, oh, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Don't know why I want to write like I don't like this don't like that don't like this don't like that but then once I finally realized that and I'm like who am I comparing it to and I'm like I'm comparing it to myself like this is really like I should (laughs) like I just need to like acknowledge that and understand that that's what I'm doing and then I can deal with it a lot easier because now I'm like no Ashley like it's okay that it's not like the most perfect piece of writing that you could ever ever imagine like it's all right because that's not where you are right now so I guess coming to terms with that was one way which really helped me I guess not come to terms with, but at least like get it to a level that was a lot more manageable for me and able mm-hmm. to use it more constructively nowadays if I if and when I get into those sort of moods I guess I find that actually talking with other writers is really really helpful because most of the time it's me thinking I'm terrible because I'm not the best writer that I could be. And then them kind of being like, well, no, like this reads fine to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it reads fine to you. Maybe it's like not as bad as I'm worrying that it is. Yeah. And it sounds really, I guess, counterintuitive, but my critique group has really helped with this. It's like (laughs) whenever I read my own work, all I see are the bad bits like the issues I had the sentences that I didn't like you know the linking between paragraphs that I think is a little bit janky um, passages that I think can be reworked and that I'm not happy with or bits of description that don't quite like hit the spot where I want it to be so yeah when I read work that's what I see but in our critique group we try and make sure that we point out positive parts of people's work so that has helped a lot especially when they don't even notice the paragraphs where I'm like, oh, is that the right word? And they just, you know, go right past it. I'm like, oh, okay. So they didn't notice that. So maybe it's not that terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it helps, especially when you have a critique group of writers and you see the quality of their work and you think, yeah, their, their work is really good. And then if you see the genuine reaction from them to something that 
your version that's like, oh, wow, I really enjoyed this. And then you suddenly think, well, it's not that they haven't read enough or that the quality of their own work is poor or something like that. Because, you know, it's sometimes hard when you have people beta reading and they're not writers. And you're kind of like, well, is this because you don't have the technical knowledge of that? Is that the reason why I'm seeing more of the mistakes than what you are? But when you're critiquing with other writers, it's like, this person has a very good grasp on what is decent writing and they're telling me it's good. So then it becomes a lot easier to believe it. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, that definitely, I think, has a role. Um, <laughs> I've definitely thought that for my, because James will read something like, oh, yeah, yeah, but you you don't write, so maybe you don't. And he'll be like, it's fine, like, it's fine. And then, you know, the writing critique group will go through the same piece and be like, no, it's fine. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it is okay then after all. I still might edit it later, but thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I had one other point. So... I tell James that I am a very realistic person, but he tells me that I'm a very pessimistic person, which probably doesn't help <laughs> with the whole being super overcritical of my own work. So he tells he tells me that we need to celebrate good things more. Um, and I thought I'd give you an example of what I mean by this. So Sarah and I managed to get some of our books on consi- of some of our When the Rain Falls copies on consignment in a store. And James was really, really excited and congratulated me. And so was my family. And then like once they started congratulating me, I was like, oh no. And I was like, mm, I don't know, like it's kind of cool, but like it doesn't count until we actually sell a copy because otherwise it's just there. And if it's just there and it like doesn't go anywhere, then has it really been successful? And James was just like, I have to put a stop to this. I have, (laughs) you can't, (laughs) you can't be like this. He was like, even if none of them sell, like it is a step, like you have a book in a store Mm -hmm. that you can see and you have to celebrate it anyways. And I was like, that kind of fits very well with a lot of, um, well, at least for me with like some of the self-doubt things being like, hey, like you have to look, sometimes there are good things as well that you have to look at and appreciate and like, you know, mention for what they are. So that's another way. Room was not <laughs> built in a day, guys. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought we could talk a little bit about imposter syndrome, which refers to basically feelings of fraud within individuals. So where people are convinced that they aren't really knowledgeable or skilled or talented in their particular area of expertise and have somehow fooled people to get where they are. And one day they'll be exposed for what they, you know, what they really are. Um, (laughs) I thought we could talk a little bit about whether we have ever had imposter syndrome when it comes to writing or I guess generally at all. And if so, how do we overcome it? Well, so imposter syndrome and self-doubt are almost the same thing, but not quite. There is a slight difference because I feel with imposter syndrome, there's that feeling that you haven't earned the right to be where you are rather than simply doubting yourself in the moment. So it's a little bit more intrusive and a little bit more definitely is more negative, I think, to your overall thought processes. And, you know, I think that there's a question that rises from imposter syndrome 
that people who have this feeling constantly ask, which is what gives me the right? And I kind of alluded to it a little bit, although I I was more specifically speaking about self-doubt, but if it did go a little bit deeper when I was talking about the nursing, like when I first started nursing in Canada, there were a lot of differences in the way that I had previously worked in New Zealand. And I worried that even though I had studied hard for my Canadian registered nurse license, I was missing some crucial piece of information that everyone else knew and I didn't. And like self-doubt, it shows up when you care very deeply about the outcome. Obviously, this isn't a bad thing. I wanted to give my best and I cared that my patients were getting quality healthcare. But whether it's work or writing, you have to also reveal the lie because you have earned your way and your right to do what you do. In work, you earn this by all the hard work that you put in to get to that position. No one simply gave it to you. Like that doesn't happen. (laughs) And I would say that even if it's okay, like maybe if it's like a job that's like on the lowest rungs possible, like a retail sales job where they were just like looking for someone, they're still, well, number one, they're still looking for specific qualities and you've worked to improve those qualities within yourself, number one. Number two is that really if they they don't care about the type of person they hire, then they're not going to care about the type of work that you do either. So you can't really fail. <laughs> um, <laughs> but most of the time, you know, they choose you for a reason. And it's the same with writing. So in writing you spend hours at the desk getting your work to where it is using every scrap of energy to create it. You edit it it over and over again. You slaved over it. You tried your best and your best is good enough. You know, that's what gives you the right to share your work. And not only that, but you have, by caring really deeply about what you do, you have the resources and the willingness to get even better at it. So that's kind of how I target the imposter syndrome because I think it's a lot more negative than just a little bit of self-doubt and a little bit of healthy self-doubt. If you go kind of further and it turns into imposter syndrome, you really do need to start looking at whether what your beliefs about yourself are true or not. How about you, Ashley? Well, so being in in work for being from academia it is a very very common I guess syndrome that people have and I experienced myself because in in academia you're surrounded by like people who all have PhDs the people who are the top in their class for like every class you've got people who have like perfect 9.0 GPAs and then you've got lecturers who are there who obviously are like super intelligent and very very knowledgeable in the subject that you know that you're studying so this I used to get this there was a period of time when I was in academia that I kind of well actually I really had this imposter syndrome feeling it was like I you know I had a PhD but somehow I didn't feel like an academic Like, I don't know if I expected that I would like feel something, but I felt like the same I had always done. And I never, I was never like the top student in my class at university or I got like 
really good grades, but I was never like the top person. So it felt really odd having, you know, a PhD training everyone in the lab, but you feel just like a normal person. And you're like, I don't feel like I belong in this world. I didn't really feel like I was super smart or smart enough to be there. Um, And I was like, somehow it was like, I'd fluked my way through all the research. Like I just put things like in a flask and they did stuff and I like got stuff out and it like was the right thing. But like, was it really me that had done the right thing? (laughs) So it makes any sense. You just suddenly like have all these questions. So I'm very used to what imposter syndrome feels like. And eventually though, you know, you realize that one, in academia, everyone feels the same way. So talking about it with other people really helped because even my old supervisor felt like that. He admitted to me once at dinner somewhere, I think. He was like, he was telling me that, you know, sometimes he feels like his students are smarter than him. And like, does he have any place there to, you know, teaching them? Blah blah. blah. Okay, so everyone feels this, which made me feel a lot better. Um, And with respect to writing, I didn't used to feel like this at all. But recently, and I think when I mentioned before with the whole people calling me an author thing, (laughs) it's like kind of started to feel that way again a little bit, not as much as it did in academia, but just like a little bit where you're like, am I an author though? Like, and then you put the asterisks on it where you're like, but it's like self-published. Like, I don't know if that counts. Like, can I really be counted in the big umbrella of authors who, you know, thinking like, like Lee Child, can I really, really be in the same category as this? I don't think so. And you start to question, you know, if people, like, I know that they won't, but like, what if they do? Like, what if they read our book and like somehow they can like tell that it's like self-published and it's not <laughs> like traditionally published just by like the quality of the writing, which then that's like kind of start to spiral. Um, but I've been stopping that, not letting those thoughts continue because I know that they're just, I guess like me being a little bit insecure and that's okay. Um, So I guess that's my experience with imposter syndrome. I explained how I overcame it in academia. I feel like it's like a, to be, to be continued for the writing one. (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't know where it's going to go and we'll see whether I manage it well or not. (laughs) It definitely is a difficult thing to get your head around. Like I remember something that, helped in my work was that one of the nurse clinicians who's generally she's she let her opinion be known about everything um Mm -hmm. and she was not shy to tell you if your work was like under par at all but you know she was talking to me she's like you need to stop being so hard on yourself like you're doing really really well you know some she's like I wish everyone we hired was as quick to catch on to things as you which you know like sometimes you need to hear that sometimes you're like (laughs) you're like oh okay you know and this is a person who I know is not like bullshitting me (laughs) Um, so that really helped and it it was funny because yeah my my husband would tell me the same thing like you're being too hard on yourself but I'm like yeah but (laughs) you know you work with me so (laughs) Even though like others around you can see it, sometimes it takes like that person who's in a higher position for you to know it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's again, where writing groups can help and like someone whose work you admire can help if they, if you know that they're going to give you an honest opinion, 
like that kind of thing can help kind of bust some of those lies that you're telling yourself. <laughs> definitely, definitely. The writing community is very, it's a really nice community. I like everyone in it that I've met so far. Everyone seems really willing to help everyone else, which I really like. Yeah. And I'm sure like, because the, the thing is that I feel comes with self, uh, with imposter syndrome is your mind likes to make up all these excuses for why people might say that your work is good or that um, yeah. <laughs> like it'll be things like, oh, but I don't know. I was thinking like for you, Ashley, I don't know if you felt this, but oh, but I'm a really good which is ironic considering that you're now having issues with writing. But I know I've had this where sometimes it's like, oh, but I'm a really good writer and I can kind of bullshit my way into stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe they they didn't actually, I I managed to fool them by my Mm -hmm. superb writing skills. (laughs) And so, you know, you, you worry that you've come across better than what you actually are. (laughs) Yeah. And yep. Yeah, I, I, I get that all like, the time. Or used to get that all the time. I also feel like authors who who are really well known probably have this like, oh, but I've already got a fan base and they just like everything that I put out. They, <laughs> they don't even question it anymore. But is it actually any good? Like I'm sure authors who are well known probably think this as well. <laughs> like it's these excuses that get created, right? And it's just just, like, cue me in 10 years writing. And I'm like, you know, that impossible future Ashley writer still hasn't emerged. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the thing. I don't think your expectations ever lower and it's a good thing. You know, you're always striving to be better, but you have to recognize that and recognize that striving to be better doesn't degrade how you're doing at the moment if that makes sense. It does make sense. I was about to say, those are very wise words. And I think wise words to finish this episode on. Yes, I would agree. (laughs) It's such an interesting topic, but you know, we need to draw it in at some point. (laughs) As we go over time, like always. Um, So there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section. Um, If you're interested in applying, you can head over to our website, lindersoncreations.com and hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you should find a link to a form to fill out. And next time on Dear Writer, it's our author spotlight interview series. So I can't wait to share more of that with you. Yes. And if you'd like to know any more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us at the aforementioned website, lindersoncreations.com or get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle lindersoncreations. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. And we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>